Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Good day, dear listener, and thank you for returning to this broadcast of The Voice of the Church, and welcome back to this October series of meditations dealing with the Book of Ruth. As we've noted, this book is an extraordinary example of a short story, a divinely written and a divinely authored short story. And we've talked about how, over the course of this book, we have seen the life of one of God's children, a widow named Naomi. We've seen that life transformed by expressions of God's love and God's care. And the agents of that transformation in the life of Naomi have been Naomi's daughter-in-law, Ruth, and the man who comes to be her husband, a man named Boaz. This has indeed been a wonderful and an encouraging story to read, but it does end in a rather curious way. The book of Ruth, it ends with the presentation of a genealogy. Now, a genealogy is essentially a list of names. It is really a kind of family tree. And the book of Ruth, it ends with a genealogy that lists ten names, ten ancestors, if you will. And this genealogy, it stretches from the days of a man named Perez, who was the son of Judah, who was himself one of the twelve sons of Jacob. And it stretches from the days of Perez all the way up to the days of the great king of Israel, King David. Now, genealogies are curious things. They tend to be things that, when we read through God's word, we don't pay much attention to. I imagine that many of us simply read through these genealogies without much attention. Perhaps we even skip them altogether. In reality, however, that is a terribly sad and unfortunate thing to do, because it turns out that not only do genealogies contain some of the most important information in all of Scripture, they also contain some of the most encouraging information as well. Illustrate this point in our final meditation on the book of Ruth. I'd like to share with you a number of important lessons that we can learn from this genealogy if we just take some time and slow down and pay attention to what God is saying to us here. The first of these lessons is this. We learn from genealogies that God is at work. Now, I'm sure you're familiar with men at work signs that you might see as you drive about your hometown. You know the signs that I'm talking about, those orange and black signs. They have a picture of a fellow with a hard hat and a shovel, usually. Well, when you see one of those men at work signs, you know that there will be construction workers laboring on the road ahead of you in that area. Well, in the Bible, genealogies function in that same way, except, of course, they alert us to the fact that it is God who is at work here. And this isn't just an important message. It's also a deeply comforting one. Because sometimes it can be so hard for us to see evidence of God's activity, especially if we restrict our vision to our own immediate circumstances. Sometimes we can find ourselves wondering where God is and just what exactly it is that he's doing. But genealogies, they force us to take a step back 
and to think about the bigger picture of history for a moment. They force us to take our eyes off our own immediate circumstances to think about larger blocks of time. Consider this particular genealogy. It presents a family tree that stretches over ten generations from Perez to David. Well, if you stop to realize that Perez was the son of Judah, that Aminadab, one of the other names mentioned in this list, that Aminadab was the brother-in-law of the high priest Aaron, and Boaz lived during the days of the judges, well, then we suddenly realize that we are talking about an enormous swath of time here. And what's important is for us to understand that God has been at work in the life of this family for a very, very long time. And it's good to be reminded that God's redemptive work is a long-term project. It's a project that in terms of human history began when he first confronted Adam and Eve in the garden, and it won't be concluded until the day of his son's return. And because it is a long-term project, we can sometimes lose sight of God's sovereign control over the circumstances of history. And we might then be inclined to wonder just what role we're playing at our particular point in time in history. Well, genealogies like the one that concludes the book of Ruth, they remind us that although we can't always see it clearly, we're never to doubt that God is indeed working in the events of history and in the lives of his people. The second lesson that we want to learn from this genealogy is the lesson that more often than not, God's work is accomplished in quite ordinary ways. There are, for instance, some individuals whose names are included on this list about whom we know virtually nothing. There's a man named Salmon, for instance, and the simple truth is that all we know about Salmon is his name. That is the totality of the knowledge we possess about him. In the end, Salmon's job, at least in terms of his role in this part of God's plan, it was to get married, to have a baby, and thereby to continue the lineage of this particular family. And as Salmon accomplished those things, he could have hardly understood the importance of what he was doing. And yet, well, from his vantage point in the storyline, he could never have appreciated the importance of this shockingly ordinary task. He was nevertheless intimately involved in the unfolding of God's redemptive work. Our lesson then, this second lesson, is that sometimes God works in the lives of his people in shockingly ordinary ways. The third lesson we learn from this genealogy is that the book of Ruth isn't a love story. And I know that may come as a bit of a surprise, because that is the way that we tend to read the book of Ruth. We tend to think about Ruth as being focused on the relationship between Ruth and Boaz, and we tend to think about it as a story where two unlikely lovers meet and somehow overcome all the odds to fall in love with one another. But as we read this genealogy, we're alerted to the fact that this isn't actually a love story at all. In actual fact, this is a birth story. After all, isn't that what a genealogy is? It is essentially a type of birth record. 
And as we read this genealogy, we're reminded that the entire purpose of this book has been to show us that God has kept this family from dying out. The purpose of this book has been to show us that God was preserving the family line of Elimelech, and he did so by leading Ruth and Boaz into marriage, and then by blessing their marriage with the birth of a son. The son whose name is also included in this genealogy, his name is Obed. The next lesson that we learn from this genealogy, however, is a lesson that is derived by looking at the final name on this list. The book ends by giving voice to the name of David, King David, the great King of Israel. And one of the things that we can see if we stop to step back and look at the book of Ruth as a whole is that the theme of kingship has loomed large in this short story. The book opens by mentioning Elimelech, a name which means my God is king, and it closes with the name of David, the great king of Israel. David was the many, many times great grandson of Ruth and Boaz's boy, Obed. And so by concluding this book with the name of David, we're reminded that the Lord has been preserving not just any family line, but a very particular family line. He has been preserving a family line that will lead to the kingship of Israel. This is a royal family line. And so the lesson we learn from looking at this genealogy is that this is not just a love story. It is first and foremost a birth story, and it chronicles a royal birth. And that leads us to our next lesson, that really the book of Ruth is a story about David's great son, Jesus Christ. We know when we consider the book of Ruth in terms of the whole of God's revelation in Scripture that this genealogy doesn't end with David. It continues. God preserved this family line over many generations and in many different situations through hardship and trial and difficulty. He preserves this family line all the way down until a man named Joseph married a woman named Mary. And Mary gave birth not to the child of Joseph and Mary, but Mary gave birth to the Son of God himself. That son was the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we read this genealogy, we are reminded that we are being pointed forward, past the lives of Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, past the lives of David, but forward to the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the final lesson that we need to learn from this particular genealogy. We realize that this is a birth story, but it is also a story of adoption. It tells us how the Lord God himself caused a Moabite woman to be adopted into the line of the Lord Jesus Christ. A Moabite woman brought from outside God's people by a deep and abiding love for her mother-in-law and a desire to follow her to make her home her home, to make Naomi's God her God. This is a story about adoption. And those of you who are listening today understand that that is the story of each and every single believer. For when we come to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, when we confess that he is indeed the Savior of the world and that our hope rests in his finished work, then we too become adopted sons and daughters of God. We learn that we are made part of this very genealogy by the work of Jesus Christ, and that, dear listener, 
is a cause for exceeding joy. May it be the case that you would so be moved by the power of God to seek after him, and trust that if you do seek after him by casting yourself on the person and work of Jesus Christ, then like Ruth you will be adopted into the family of God, and like Naomi your heart will be transformed, so that you come to love the Lord with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul, and that you come to love your neighbor likewise. This is our hope, this is our prayer, this is the aim of this podcast, that God's people might hear the gospel message proclaimed, and that his people might be gathered in. Thank you for listening.